Hollywood Steve. Hey. As I'm sure you know, there are an unnerving number of folks in this fine country who believe that the moon landing was a hoax. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps one abetted in part by the filmmaking of one Stanley Kubrick. Right, uh-huh. You may have encountered this conspiracy theory mm-hmm. a, a time or two. Did you know, though, that the moon was, in fact, the center of an actual hoax in the 1830s and is one of our earliest examples of fake news? Oh, I'm intrigued. Let's hear it. Yeah, this is a, this is a thing that happened. See... <clears throat> The thing about the concept of news is that it's a, been a pretty constantly shifting one in our society. Mm-hmm. We we all have like our firm ideas about what it should be and who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. But the factor fact of the matter is expectations of what its job is are as ever changing as every other form of media is. Okay. In the 1830s, people didn't necessarily expect that everything that they read in the paper was going to be absolute truth. All On right. top of that, yeah, like, it was fine. Sometimes it's lies. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, a lot of people didn't even bother with reading the papers because they were overwhelmed with its implications on their real lives. When you're living the news, why do you want to read about it? Okay, right. That's something I think a lot of us can identify mm-hmm. with yeah. in this day and age. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know about you, but I used to listen to the news, like, on the way to work um, in the mornings, like, in the before times. Like, I just put on, like, uh, local news or NPR or whatever. Right. See what's going and, on. Yeah. Just, like, check out what are the headlines, what's, what's going on in the world. Now, my husband, he sits with the news on in the background, like, all day. Whenever he's doing something, or he'll be in the backyard, and there's still CNN mm-hmm. on in the in the living room. And I'm like, literally, how can you watch that? Uh, that would drive me insane. Yeah, like, it's just, like, there's too much going on mm-hmm. all the time. I, I can't, I can't deal with it. Then again, he's also not on Twitter. So, <laughs> I get the distinct thing sense that he feels less like he's living the 24-hour news cycle than right probably but he's not getting that raw uncut twitter news (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) just funny because he's always trying to like tell me he's like oh i heard blah 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 blah," and i'm like oh my sweet summer child i heard that (laughs) four days ago but you know (laughs) coupled with mass outrage but that's over now we've moved yeah we're we're over it now that you've heard about it but okay (laughs) By the time it gets to the CNN crowd, we have far <laughs> surpassed whatever this is. We're on to the next thing. Right. <laughs> uh, but one one of the big myths of American mass media history is that Orson Welles' War of the Worlds broadcast in the 1930s caused a mm. mass panic, and people really thought there was an alien invasion because folks right. were gullible and couldn't tell fact from fiction, and the newscast was so believable, and so on. I will do this more in depth on the cast one of these days because it is it is really interesting to me um but for now suffice it to say there's little to no evidence that that actually ever happened right and it's highly improbable that it even could have based on the small number of people who even would have heard that broadcast however there were complaints to the station and that was because some folks thought for a few moments before hearing the stuff about Martians that they were hearing the news of a German invasion. And oh. that, yeah, like you're in a kind of an uneasy place here. I think it's like 1938 or something like that. So like, 
we're, gotcha. we're a little worried <laughs> about what's yeah. going on over there. Uh, so people did initially go like, holy shit, like they're here. The Germans have actually come to American soil uh, and freaked out for a second. Well, and listen, then... I would too. That, that <laughs> would be scary at that point, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I would absolutely freak the fuck out. Um, and then they hear like stuff about Mars and they're like, oh, this is a story. It's a radio show. Um, right. And when they realized that it wasn't the case, that there was an actual German invasion, uh, they were upset that the news was lying to them. Because by that point, we're in like the era of fireside chats. And we were beginning to have the expectation that if someone got on the radio in a purported news broadcast, they were going to inform us. Right. Not fuck around with our emotions and try gotcha. to trick us. Uh, and while War of the Worlds clearly marked itself as fiction before and after the before and during the broadcast, it broken a sort of unspoken contract with the listeners that made them perhaps rightfully upset. Okay. Uh, and that's in part due to the legacy of what's now known as the Great Moon Hoax of 1835. In, uh, in which I'm the so bur- excited to find out about this. <laughs> yeah, the burgeoning New York Sun published an elaborate report of the scientific findings of real-life British astron- astronomer Sir John Herschel of advanced life forms on the moon. Hmm. And like I said, while Sir Herschel was indeed real and quite famous, let me say out the gate, he had absolutely nothing to do with this and was on an expedition in Africa at the time completely unaware he was making news all over the world and thus completely unable to refute the claims that were being made by the sun. Okay. I mean, this sounds like smart lying, though. It really like, is. Right? Oh, you're going to Africa? No, bro. I'm, I won't tell anybody crazy outlandish stories about you. Why would I do yeah, that? Absolutely. I don't even know why you'd think such a thing. That's crazy. It's <laughs> Have a good trip. Um, See, what had happened was, on August 25th of 1835, the Sun ran the first of a six-part series describing Herschel's voyage to the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa to catalog the stars. As Kirsten Vanderveen noted in Smithsonian Magazine, science was very accessible to common people at that point, and one of the things that did draw people to pick up a paper was stories of scientific discoveries and people's exciting explorations of the world beyond our shores. Vanderveen called it the time before we knew everything, Hmm. which is a phrase I love on Mm -hmm. multiple levels. I mean, uh, for one... There's like this sort of tongue-in-cheek jab at our modern hubris, <laughs> and right. uh, thinking we've discovered all there is to know. Yeah, we know about it all life. now. Yeah, like obviously, there's no scientific mysteries left. We we've got that all <laughs> figured out, you know. <laughs> and it also speaks to a kind of delightful sense of human curiosity, though. Hmm. You couldn't just check out a YouTube video if you wanted to know what it was like to encounter a lion in Africa or what the Great Wall of China looked like or how the Inuit made their clothes. Mm-hmm. But people wanted to know. Uh, it's easy to be apathetic about that kind of knowledge when right. you have access to it at your fingertips all the time. But it wasn't always as easy to gain a, uh, esoteric knowledge as downloading the latest episode of Jack of All Graves on right. a Monday morning. <laughs> and people turned to newspapers, magazines, and books to find out what they were missing. All that to say, when this story ran in the sun, 
it looked like the kind of story people were pretty used to reading about scientific discoveries. Only this time, the discovery was absolutely fucking monumental. As the story went, Sir Herschel had created an absolutely gigantic telescope measuring 24 feet in diameter and weighing seven tons. Wow. This (laughs) really big telescope. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Like, I don't know how big they get now. Oh, they get way bigger than that now, but like that at the time, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, at the time, this was six times larger than the largest telescope that had ever been created, which set some people's hackles up right from the get-go. Dude just low-key created the biggest telescope known to man and then carted it (laughs) from England to Africa with no fanfare. Uh Yeah, yeah, that's that's unremarkable. Just a Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, let's accept it and move on. Um, Herschel busts out this huge-ass telescope, looks up, and is like, whoa, there's a whole bunch of planets outside of our solar system that we've never seen before, for one. And for two, there's a bunch of shit happening on the moon. Uh-oh. There's vegetation. Oh, there's shit. There's at least one white sand beach. There are herds of something akin to bison. Oh, there. There's woods, and there's valleys, and there's lead-colored goats with one horn. Lead-colored, okay. Yeah, unigoats. Unigoats, yeah, all right. <laughs> Goatacorns, I don't know. <laughs> what, where does corn, does corn mean horn? Is that <laughs> yeah. why they're called unicorns? I think the corn is a horn, yeah. <laughs> why do U- we call uni- them unihorns? What's the etymology? Y- yeah, that? unihorn, huh. I w- huh. <laughs> Well, okay, like, uh, we're gonna have to get a, an expert on the unicorn situation yeah, for sure. Someone, please tell us where did where did this come from? Why is it called a unicorn and not a, a unicorn? unicorn. <laughs> I'll grant it sounds better, but right, I'm just like an explanation. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, as the series went on, they learned that there were also small zebras and reindeer. There was a bipedal beaver that <laughs> quote carries its young in its arms like a human being and moves with an easy gliding motion. But, okay. I that don't know about you, but like, creepy. I, <laughs> it does. And it's, it reminds me of, did you ever watch um, the BBC version of the Chronicles of Narnia? No. Oh my gosh. Do Steve. I need to see this? You've got to watch the BBC okay. version of Chronicles <laughs> of Narnia. It's that, weird 80s bbc style okay uh that like you can kind of conjure immediately in your head and of Uh course it's got that very like low budge feel like a doctor who Mm -hmm. or something like that you know and so these beavers in it are like literally just a couple in beaver suits so they like walk around like like people in it uh and so this is what he saw on the moon (laughs) he saw them uh, on the moon, just cradling their little little babies. Also, for some reason, because it says carries its young in its arms like a human being, until this very moment, I had kind of just in my brain accepted these were beavers holding human babies. <laughs> I don't think that's what it what it means. Where, what, <laughs> I don't, I don't where know where the they got them. Beavers get the humans. <laughs> Holy shit. Sir John Herschel has a lot he needs to answer right (laughs) right now. Where are they getting the human babies? Get back from Africa and answer our questions. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, However, I mean, I guess most shockingly, there are basically humans up there, according to these articles. But 
a little smaller. Okay. And with wings. The, oh, okay. Yeah, the, this fictional version of Herschel called them Versatilio Homo. Versatilio Homo, meaning man bat. <laughs> uh, and called them innocent and happy creatures. A thing you can for sure tell through a telescope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Telescopes are known for showing facial expressions. Yeah, you can deeply see the emotions and social structures of a society simply by observing through a telescope. So the bat people of the moon. Yeah. Wow. I mm-hmm. that that is a, a that is something I would read for sure. I know. That oh, sounds absolutely. interesting. This is great science fiction. Right. <laughs> uh, and of course, readers and the media alike ate this story up. Although not necessarily as credulously as a lot of narratives would have you think about this. Okay. Much like the lower round War of the Worlds, the more fun and thus more popular tale here is that these 19th century rubes uncritically accepted the series as absolute truth, and for a short time, everyone believed that there were little fey humans bopping about on the moon with super maternal <laughs> upright beavers. Uh-huh. This is not necessarily the case. <laughs> it's not? What? <laughs> what? Isn't that what Buzz Aldrin said? He said, oh, yeah, the beavers are up here. Yeah. No, yeah, he was right. He saw them. <laughs> <laughs> this is one small step for a man, but just, you know, a Tuesday for a beaver. <laughs> uh, the series stirred up heated debate in other publication- publications. Publications? Publications. The popular publication. That's totally yeah, what meant I meant. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those publications accepted it as true because uh, they knew it would drum up readership, of course. Uh, and others set about to debunk it. But everybody was talking about it. You couldn't just ignore it if you wanted mm. readers. You had to talk about it one way or another. And the line between hoax and satire was often pretty thin back in those days, which, again, is relatable. <laughs> we right. often see stuff that is satire, but like isn't really funny and just sounds mm-hmm. like it might have happened. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like the goal is essentially to trick people, you know, the idea right. that effective satire is one that makes the most people think it was real. Right. That was actually pretty common at that time, was to see how many people you could fool with <laughs> a hoax in a newspaper. Um, and Edgar Allan Poe was actually sort of famous for this, and he, in fact, published a very similar story to The Sun's earlier called The Unparalleled Adventure of Hans Fall. Hans Fall. Yes, P-F-A-A-L-L. Okay. I don't know where he... Because Edgar Allan Poe also wrote that story that, like, predicted the future, and it was, like, called, like, The Narrative of... Of Arthur Gordon Pym. Yeah, yeah, Arthur Gordon Mm -hmm. Pym. His titles could use work. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if we're going back and editing Poe, I have some other suggestions, but Yeah. yeah. It's a few things here and there I'd nip. Right. Um, let's start with the title, and we'll work from there. Uh, but The Unparalleled Adventure of Hans Fall was a similar story, uh, but his signature humor sort of tipped people off that it wasn't real. Mm. Um, he was fairly certain that whoever was pretending to be Sir Herschel here had basically read and cribbed his story. So as this story spread throughout America and Europe, it had you know probably as many critics as it did believers. 
As the New Yorker points out, the observations in the series impose very human assumptions about extraterrestrials and the terrain of a celestial body. Mm-hmm. The animals can all be described with forms similar to things on Earth. Right. There are obelisk-shaped pyramids. There are waterfalls. Even the authors of the Bible knew that sometimes you have to tell people something is fucking Cthulhu when their tiny human minds can't begin <laughs> to comprehend it. Uh-huh. Like, all this... Right biblically accurate memes that have been going around for a while. Mm -hmm. And even then, as Nina Nesseth points out in her book Nightmare Fuel, The Science of Horror Films, we can only come up with monsters, angels, aliens, etc. with features that we understand. There's always going to be something recognizable because it's all we know. Hmm. So fake Herschel's moon landscape looks like bizarro earth because that's what he could conceive of. Right. And it'd probably be pretty hard to sell readers on a bunch of papers that were just like, no, trust me guys. There are some like <laughs> gnarly beings up there and I can't even describe them to you, but holy shit, they're definitely there and real. Like, do you know, like a squid? <laughs> okay. Have you seen a bear? <laughs> All right. Now imagine that's made out of crystal. Uh... <laughs> That was what that's what I saw. Oh, you're yeah. insane. Gotcha. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Drugs? <laughs> Is it drugs? Is that what's happening here? Can I have um, some? Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're having a really good time. Uh so yeah. Fake Herschel's observations also managed to mirror Earth's social systems, including hierarchies that may or may not have had some racial slash racist connotations. Right. So along with the man bats. Uh, a race of superior beings lived in the moon's Veil of the Triads. Okay. So essentially, it's kind of a cool name. Yeah, like, it is. That would, I would listen to a metal band called Veil For of the sure, Triads. Veil of the Triads? Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> essentially, there were three forms of upright human- humanoid beings with the woolly man bats at the bottom of this hierarchy mm-hmm. and a taller, less dark, and, quote, in every respect improved variety of the race (laughs) at the top. Okay. This top group being creatures of order and subordination. So considering woolly was a pretty common descriptor of black people's hair at the time. Right. It's hard not to think there's something a touch racist about this little moon hierarchy of light-skinned superiors and (laughs) stupid but happy woolly monsters at the bottom. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Not a surprise. For no. 1830, but unpleasant. <laughs> Not surprised, so. just disappointed. Right. <laughs> you could do better, 1830. Yeah, your hoax had to be racist on top of everything else. <laughs> Come on. Uh, now, depending on what article you read about this, either we definitively know who wrote those stories and he admitted to it, or it's still not completely proven, but we think we know. Okay. Uh, either way, the pretty much guaranteed culprit was the son's own Richard Adams Locke, a Brit who, at least then, when initially confronted with the accusation, responded, I beg to state, as unequivocally as words can express it, that I did not make those discoveries, and it is my sincere conviction, founded on a careful examination of the internal evidence of the work in which they first appeared, that... If made at all, they were made by the great astronomer to whom all Europe, if not an incredulous America, will undoubtedly ascribe them. I love that in the 19th century, you couldn't just say, nah, bro. (laughs) You had to go like way out of your fucking way to make it seem like it was the most like 
audacious question you've ever heard in your fucking life. How dare you? You can see <laughs> him smacking the, real. Yeah, he's smacking someone with a glove as he says yes. it, you know, like <laughs> which I think we should bring that back, you know. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, 100%. <laughs> like Celtic languages don't have words for yes and no. Oh, or, oh. like especially yes, but yeah, like they there's that's why often when people like a Scottish person or right. something like that says, you know, they don't just say yes to you. They're going to have right. like a phrase that they say. Gotcha. Uh, but it comes from that, you know, <laughs> that lineage of the, the not having a word for it. I think that's a good thing. We don't need a yes and no. We need long, verbose, right. indignant explanations. Uh-huh. Of I, yeah. To tell me no, I need like a 23 tweet tre- thread. Yes. Like just really addressing every possibility along the way, and, and I should kind of undercutting me as a person too. Just really like <laughs> go at my character. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> agreed. Uh, well, and if you'll note here, that whole thing is some pretty good double speak. Note that he mm-hmm. never says he didn't write the article, right. just that he didn't make the observations. Mm. And if the observations were made at all they were surely made by herschel so he's not saying they were real observations but if they were they were made by the guy they were attributed to all right all right i like your little word games these are these are fun (laughs) later according to other sources he acknowledged that he did in fact write the series but not as a flat-out hoax instead The stories were meant to be satire, taking aim at, as The Guardian puts it, quote, an uncritical belief in extraterrestrial life among men of science. Hmm. He took particular issue with a Scottish minister by the name of Thomas Dick, who mixes... (laughs) (laughs) Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Who mixed his belief in extraterrestrials with theology. Locke was not impressed by the deeply intertwined relationship between religion and belief in ETs and how much influence religion was having on scientific endeavor. He saw the conflation of the two things as dangerous to rational religion and to inductive science. Hmm. So ultimately, the story amounted to little more than clickbait. While (laughs) certainly some people would have gone their whole lives believing it, it was more of a momentary fascination in a world where people were hyper fixated on scientific discovery. That said, Locke and that Locke and the Sun refused to come clean about the satire for years irked people and caused society to have to reflect on what the purpose of the news is. Hmm. If it's to inform people truthfully, there's an obligation to clearly denote what's real and what's fancy. Right. But if the purpose of the news is to entertain, if it's to sell the most copies by giving the people what they want, mm-hmm. then the audience has to be prepared to do some critical thinking and understand that they won't always know for sure whether they're being lied to. Right. This this is a central conflict of the yellow journalism that was to follow toward the end mm-hmm. of the 19th century. And while we've had periods of great trust in the media, it's certainly a question we're still grappling, grappling with oh, yeah. in 2022. Yeah, it is. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of a guy, like, there's just a guy in 1835 or so. He's read this. <clears throat> Sorry. Good. He's read this, and uh, he's just walking along, looking up at the moon, just pondering what the beavers are doing. 
Like, what are they doing up there? What's going on right now? Are the bat people friends with them? I'd like to know. Deep thoughts. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. No, I mean, you, you've seen the moon your whole life. Yeah. And, I mean... For us, it's like there's not, and there's no mystery to it. Right. It's like we've seen it boring. It's just rocks. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's rocks. It's <laughs> but for, for someone in the 19th century, it's like it could be anything. They just yeah. outlandish, any thought you could have. Like it, maybe that's on the moon. Who knows? <laughs> right. I don't have ev- any evidence that's right. not the case, which is, yeah, it's absolutely wild. And I, I do, I just love the idea that people were so fixated yeah. on that. I, I kind of picture it being like, you know, obviously, like Melier's uh, voyage. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking of or, too. Yeah, or, or the Tonight Tonight video. Obviously, <laughs> the Tonight Tonight video is the <laughs> the number one touchstone there. Yes, the first <laughs> cultural touchstone you think of when you think about right. you know the the early conceptions of people on the moon is the masterful work of Sir William Corgan. <laughs> Sir William Corgan, he's been knighted. <laughs> He's been knighted. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you knew about that. Yeah, the queen was like, oh, I really love 1979. That's my queen impression. <laughs> she, when she's alone, she speaks with an American accent. You, that, it's just I a put on. That. Yeah. It is a put on. I'm just, just imagining her sitting there. like She's like got like a little bit of like a Brooklyn thing going yeah. or whatever. Ugh, <laughs> being the fucking queen sucks. Yeah, a little smoker's cough. So yeah. like, Patty and Selma. Somebody else walks in. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm so British. Have you met my corgis? <laughs> <laughs> They're very British dogs. Mm, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing with our hands, but I feel yeah, good about she's, it. She's got to do the, the royal wave, of course. <laughs> the royal wave yeah. at all times, just sitting in her living room. Uh-huh. She's just wearing the crown. <laughs> I would, honestly, if I was a monarch, I'd just yeah. sit around in the crown playing PlayStation or something. Right? Like, it feels like it's not worth it to be a royal. Yeah. If you don't get to do that. And they don't. Right. Like, I went, I saw the crown jewels a few yeah. weeks ago just sitting in the box. Yeah, so uh, boring. Wear them. <laughs> like, wear them, play some PlayStation. Because I know old ass ladies are doing this. We were sitting at a, a restaurant having breakfast in Wales, and the table next to us, aspirational. Okay. It was like seven old people, probably in their seventies and eighties. Many of them with dogs. It took a while to realize, like this one woman was holding this like half dead dog with its tongue like hanging six inches out of its mouth against okay. her chest, and like just like passed the fuck out. Uh, they <laughs> sitting there just talking about everything, shooting the shit. They talked about like, oh, do you like horror movies? You know, I was talking about how Alien Resurrection. They watched it recently. They're going out talking about their favorite horror movies, things like that. And then one lady starts talking about her Xbox. And, you know, guys like, oh, I've been playing this on my my PlayStation and, you know, all this. That's cool. They're going off about their gaming. Like, they're like legit gamers. That's awesome. In their 70s, 80s. We're sitting there just like, yes. Yes. Yes, this is. 
this is they've what we want. They figured it out. They've got life completely like figured out. Yeah. And meanwhile, the royals <laughs> are just like spending all their time acting posh and like covering right. up sex scandals and like <laughs> shit like that. Like they're wasting yeah. being useless rich people. So boring. Right? You useless you're gonna be useless and rich. At least be exciting. With it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Make a sex tape. You know? Right. Like just do I, something I'd interesting. I'd love to hear that. Queen drops new sex tape. <laughs> right. That's what we should be. If she wants to distract from uh-huh. whatever political problems right. build the morale yeah, of the I UK. Can't wait. Drop the sex tape. Yeah. Birdie right? gets blasted. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to Jack of All Graves. <laughs> we're, uh, we're here. Uh, we're queer. Get used yeah. to it. Yep, deal with uh, it. I am here, of course, with Hollywood Steve, your hey. friend and mine. Of How the you guys doing? I'm waving like podcast. they can see me. He is, he's waving like the queen <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, so happy that you're joining me this week, Steve. Me too. It is always wonderful to get to chat. Yeah, I'm excited. I love being on the show. Uh, one, because I, I love talking and then having no responsibility after that. <laughs> that is the best thing about it's guesting great. on somebody else's podcast. This, I think one day Mark asked me which podcast like I consider to be like my main podcast mm-hmm. between this and Men of Low Moral Fiber. And no disrespect the men of low moral fiber because of course yeah cool footing all that kind of stuff but i was like once i get done recording that i have no further responsibility right so, <laughs> so like this is your main <laughs> this is my main because this is the one that you know keeps me up at night yeah. <laughs> and that one i just show up right uh, act like an idiot for two hours and then that's it's Ben's a good feeling deal. to it just is. get to act like an idiot and then somebody else deals with it yeah i say like i'm like two completely pe- different people between these two podcasts because it's like the level of responsibility changes mm-hmm. my approach to yep. the podcast when i get up on that one i'm the stupidest person you've ever met in your life <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like oh, i have no responsibilities i say anything yeah. <laughs> i'm not worried about editing it out later right Birdie gets blasted, for instance. <laughs> for example. Honestly, we would say that on Dead and Lovely, it's though. True. So. Yeah, that absolutely yeah. would go in the podcast. Far worse things have been said on Dead and Lovely <laughs> than that. <laughs> I'm so behind, by the way, because I have been out of the country oh, yeah. for the past 18 days. Yeah. Uh, so I have a lot of Dead and Lovely to catch up on. It's Action August. Action August. You mellowed the sound this year, which is nice. Like, uh, turned it down in the mix or something. Yeah, it was. Last um, year, it would scare me every time. Yeah, and I think one episode <laughs> I didn't mellow it enough, and it scared the shit out of some people. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated the, the volume adjustment on. Right. I, I think I've listened to one or two of them already. Uh, but yeah, last year. If you've never listened to Dead and Lovely, uh, <laughs> the cast does action movies instead of horror movies for the month of August, Yep, which is wonderful. Just fun. Um, yeah. But there's just a nice little action August uh, sound effect stinger yeah. <laughs> in it that multiple times as like driving to the gym, because that's usually when it gets to that point in the yeah. in the cast and just like nearly just like 
braked or stepped on the gas super hard. Like, fuck! I didn't really intend for it to be so jarring, but then when it was, it made me laugh, and I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep this. It's a horror podcast, after all. It's, right, it's, you gotta, gotta get gotta one scare in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yes, Action August is going, and you are about to record an episode on Enter, Enter the, the Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. This is... Um, you know, we, we've we've done some of the bigger franchises for, for August, and this is one that I hadn't even considered. It wasn't even on our list, but it came up in our um, Patreon drawing. Um, and watching it, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I loved um, I loved martial arts movies as a kid, uh -huh. um, but I I didn't, like, remember the titles. It would just be like, Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme is in this one. It, it could be Lionheart. It could be Kickboxer. <laughs> Maybe it's best of the best. Blood sport. Is it I don't know. Maybe the same thing anyway. Right. <laughs> Does it matter? Right. But wa watching this, it was like, um, oh, okay. So that's where like all these tropes come from, and also every video game. Like, <laughs> oh, it's incredible. so Enter the Dragon, so influential. So I I'm excited to get to talk about it. Now, tell me straight up: Is the preview palace going to be which dragon? you most, most want to enter most fuckable dragon uh yeah. yeah the dragon you'd most want to enter i i mean yeah probably because <laughs> like <laughs> kind of has to be like it's it's set up for you right there like i mean be, when are you gonna get the opportunity right like ben will probably message me like hey any ideas for the intro and i'll say you know most fuckable dragon and then he'll be like that like every single episode you're like most fuckable something <laughs> Like yeah. We gotta do something different, but I don't know. <laughs> Enter the dragon. It seems pretty clear. We gotta like talk about right. fuckable dragons. <laughs> it's right there. Right. It's like, that okay, one from maybe Shrek. Sometimes it's a stretch. Like, right. Right. Like clearly, Rawr, you know, got some powerful things happening. <laughs> <laughs> and she's down to clown. Doesn't matter your species. Yeah, she is a okay with whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, it's a donkey though. I don't know if I can compete with a donkey. Penis-wise, I mean. Well, you see, that look that I just gave with me thinking, are we are like donkeys like horses? Are they known for being, you know, having a lot of junk? Yeah, yeah. I, they got big old, big old wing, big, big old wieners. Yeah, just. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't think. I think it'd be difficult for someone to compete. But the question isn't which dragon would fuck you. Right, right. It's so, which I would fuck, which, right. Yeah. It's yeah. a dilf. Because if we're talking about dragons that would fuck me, it's like, well, gosh, you know, Drogon probably. That guy's always calling. Which one's Drogon? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's one of the Game of Thrones dragons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh those are going to be some horny dragons. For They're sure. All for sure. Tea. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> My mother is upstairs watching the new Throne Game Z. Yeah. So. Yeah, the the House of House of Dragons or whatever. I Emily and I watched the first episode. I fell asleep, um, uh. so I don't know if I enjoyed it or not. But <laughs> I was, gonna I'm say, gonna was that about the show or about like your current? I level think I was or... just tired. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just tired. But I, I will <laughs> give it more of a chance. I, you know, Game of Thrones was such a fun like moment there mm -hmm. culturally, right? And then it, you know, petered out and shit the bed, and everybody just kind of forgot about it yeah forgot it existed so it's like i'm not like super excited for that show 
Yeah. Watching it, it was just kind of like, like people eh. are, It seems like people are enjoying it, which I'm glad yeah. for them, you know. I, I was never into Game of Thrones, so that's just not my, like, deal. Yeah. But, you know, it is... I think a lot of people were looking to recapture that high again of being right. like, we have this thing that we're watching and we're all watching it and, <laughs> you know, we can talk about this and it can be yeah. zeitgeist again. I don't know that, I mean, it will not reach the level of what Game of Thrones was on that. I yet, can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty impossible. There's very few shows that really manage to do that at this point. I think there's things like, yeah. like Ted Lasso kind of has captured yeah, a lot the of people into in that, that. Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What was it? Euphoria. Euphoria. Had, <laughs> Euphoria yeah. had a, had a bit of a moment there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And now, like every like the past week, just like every person from that show is saying something problematic, right? <laughs> <And> <laughs> like just tanking it on summer vacation. Right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it was like, what's it? Like Hunter Schaefer said, like non-binary people are the reason that there's right. like anti-trans laws, and Ugh. and uh, what's the 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 blonde gal? Um, yeah, her mom had that like MAGA themed yeah, birthday MAGA party. Birthday party. You're like, yeah. Yo. I oh, mean, pe- people did rightfully point out that what, like, really, what did you expect from yeah a, a blonde girl Sydney who Sweeney. grew up rich? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah, of course, that's the person. Yeah, her, her, the people, her family are. Yeah. You know. Probably she should tell them not to post pictures. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, can we keep secret uh, the fact yeah. that you're raging racist? Yeah, please. Can we just not <laughs> post the photo with me and dad and the Blue Lives Matter shirt? Right, like, please. You know, I've got, like, a thing I have to keep going here. That This is casting young people, I suppose, just, like, clueless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's her family. Like, what's she going to do? She, she thinks that's normal. She right. thinks like, oh, all the other magas are the problem, not my family. Yeah, not mine. These are my these family. Are they're good, good ones, people. Though. Yeah, I know they're not really racists. They're just, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's just like th- that whole maga mindset too. It's just it's like, well, true. I'm not racist. Now mm-hmm. I know that the others are, right. but not me yeah. but not specifically. Me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing Come against on. those people. Right. <laughs> assholes it is wild whenever you see something like that like someone who given the role she plays and the storyline and all of that kind of stuff like you're like and then like that is the thing it's that weird compartmentalization that like both she can compartmentalize what she believes with her family and that they can compartmentalize right she is in this is just it's so bizarre i can't imagine like just that night and day relationship i'm kind of the same person no matter what yeah me too it's a whole lot easier if you don't have to keep up a facade to just you know yeah Yeah. i'm not i'm just like not super capable of it the whole masking thing is not a strong suit of mine (laughs) no i'm not good at pretending anything other than what's going on in my head is going on in my head yeah, my face my... lets everybody know how I feel. <laughs> See, it, it, mine does, except the the expression is not. You know, like some people, it's like very clear, like the exact right. thing they're thinking. Like they look angry or disgusted or things like that. Yeah, my my mask is the blank, so it's like right. <laughs> so people who know me know exactly what happened. Like someone says something, and like so we were in Hawaii. And with a whole bunch of people that Kia worked with. And, like, uh-huh. these guys I could already tell were, like, a little right wing. And, like, I was like, I don't 
I wouldn't necessarily get along with him, but I'm trying because we're in this, like, they're just people he works with or whatever. They're right. not his friends, just people he has to get along with when he works. Gotcha. Um, and then, like, one of them made some, like, stupid, like, oh, he was talking about how, like, a whole group of guys went to go see the sunset. And he was like, uh, but I didn't go because that's a whole, that's kind of weird, right? Like, a bunch of men going to see <sighs> the sunset. Yeah. And I was, like, so immediately just, like... Like, that's just such pointless homophobia right. that, like, my face just went blank and I turned. <laughs> and Kyo's just like, I just feel pat my knee like, yeah, I know you're gone now. <laughs> I have exited the conversation and I am, I'm done here. We will speak, I will be speaking no more words because they will oh, be. Oh, man. Fellas, is it gay to enjoy the celestial bodies? <laughs> is that... Oh look, the yeah. sun! Now I want to suck a dick. Like, <laughs> what? I what? don't understand. It's so like, how do you function? I don't. With that level of being scared of being perceived as gay in your life, you it know, like always... that has to hinder everything you do. Yeah, it drove me crazy as um, as a high schooler. Yeah. I got asked if I was gay all the time, and it was just like at first it was like what am I doing that makes people think I'm gay? Like, and then after a while, it's like, oh, you just can't enjoy anything, huh? Right. It's like, like any you just... sense of enjoyment right. is gay. Yeah. So I just started saying yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. What? Go. what are we going to do about Big it? Big juicy dick. Let's talk. You know? <laughs> End of conversation or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wild. Like, they, he even, like, the stuff that he would eat, even, he, like, you know, wouldn't eat certain meals because oh, he was gosh. gay. You yeah. Know? And you're just like, what? Which also came up on um, Queer Eye. Did you watch this la latest season of Queer Eye? Or it mm -mm, might have been last season, it. actually. Um, there was, like, this, you know, like, Texas cowboy guy that they uh, go to make over and all that kind of stuff. And this guy is, like, clearly Trump country kind right. of dude you know like they don't straight say that but right. you can tell that the guys are like annoyed with him the whole time it was like <laughs> every single thing he did it was like he would eat like steak every day and he was like oh, occasionally i'll have some chicken but like you know i can't right. tell anybody that you can't tell people you eat chicken because it'd be gay <sighs> what just <laughs> What I don't like what 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 do you win at the end? Like what's the prize right. what at the end? What is the prize here? Because <laughs> it seems like you wasted your entire life trying yeah. to prove that you're not gay. Like what? Yeah. And then what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? What you Get your reward in heaven, I guess. Oh because yeah. God, God knows sees you, you and he's like, gay. good job, bro. I was like, you know, I had my fingers crossed. I thought yeah. like, oh, if he eats chicken one more time, like, he's going to take it right in the butt. <laughs> well done, my good and heterosexual servant. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> I don't remember why we were talking about that. I don't either. <laughs> come a long way here. Um I just got back from holiday. Mark yeah. is still on holiday. I didn't even yeah. mention that. That's uh, uh, obviously we said in the last episode that you were going to be joining us because mm -hmm. Mark is having the time of his life in the sun with his family in St. Lucia. Oh, yeah. At the moment. They were in Grenada Ooh. last week. 
Um, I know nothing about these places, uh, except <laughs> now I know there are monkeys oh. and a lot of water. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good vacation. Ideal. Monkeys and a lot of water. Yeah. Like, you could do a lot worse than that. For sure. So, yes, been getting, oh, dolphins. He saw dolphins. Oh, shit. Um, I'm sure he will talk all about this next week when he gets back. But all that to say, until tomorrow, he is on his Caribbean vacation, having the time of his life, and we wish mm. him well, of course. Um, speaking also of trips, this time last year, Steve. Yeah. We met each other for the very first time in person. I know. This is crazy. It is the one-year anniversary of the Dead and Lovely meetup last year, and it it is legendary in that uh, I will have to believe any story about it, as I don't remember much. Uh, <laughs> you know it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> when you don't know for sure it was a good time. Yeah. We are, pre- we are preparing um, for the upcoming meetup, which, of course, we moved away from August as yes. last year was so goddamn hot it that so hot. <laughs> it was torture. So, um, so we moved it to November, uh, November yes. 4th. We're going to be meeting up here in Knoxville at Merchants of Beer and doing some bar hopping. But we're also going to be doing what we did last year, which is having you know people coming in from out of town. We're going to meet up on a Thursday night, have some drinks meet up Friday morning, do something fun, then have our, our, our drunken meetup Saturday, maybe some more <laughs> drunken shenanigans. Uh, I, I, I've feeling, prepared yes. by getting a hotel room in downtown Knoxville because last that time... That really smart. <laughs> yeah, we were like, wait, we're super drunk and now we have to drive 35 minutes home? No, this yeah, isn't going to work. Excited. It was a little my it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I'm not known for my uh, planning abilities. <laughs> So yes. I actually like I've, I've been trying to put the itinerary together of what we're going to do and Ooh. everything I think of. I'm just like, it's just going to be so many of the people from last year's group that it's like, well, we can just feel it out. Right. Everybody. Right. Yeah, it's not. Is cool. You can take yeah. the stress down several yeah. notches this time. For sure. I was so stressed last chill. time. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so if you happen to be in the Knoxville area. Yeah, uh, you should come on definitely by. come out to the Dead and Lovely meetup because it really is an absolutely yeah. wonderful time full of delightful people. And we're just gonna be so drunk, just <laughs> so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I think this year, yeah, we can probably bet that at least Anna will be slightly less drunk than last time. <laughs> uh, there may be a little more moderation. Than, a little more, a little more. Than last year's. For you sure. Know, everyone's just so happy to be there. Yeah. You just kind of forget how many things you've imbibed. Yeah. I, my wife had to stop me. Um, <laughs> she was just like, no more drinks. And I had just ordered a drink and it came like right when she was saying that. And I was like, Not okay, no more after this one. <laughs> Absolutely. No more drinks. Yeah, it was a uh, it came up in my memories from the mm. on my Google timeline and it was just delightful to reminisce on that and to, It was. It was, it was such a like, blast. Yeah, and it was probably the first like trip that we'd gone on to like see friends yeah. since the pandemic. Like we'd been mm-hmm. I'd gone with him on work trips and stuff like that. Right. You know, been to Pennsylvania and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was the first place we like went and like hung out with people so that was oh a, yeah was that, nice that was man, what a fun time and I, i'm yeah. i mean i'm glad we're getting everybody back including some new folks including yes. canadian boy ryan canadian boy ryan. making it international this year 
Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Not just from all the corners of this fine country, but right. also a Canadian, a real life Canadian. <laughs> He's going to bring some of that free health care with him. Oh, gosh, please. Can yeah. you? Would please. you just? Uh, <laughs> but yes, next, things will, next week, things will be back to normal here on Jack of All Graves with some shout outs and uh, maybe not Wheel of Justice because our man Mark is a little behind as he is wont to be. But we love him <laughs> nonetheless. Right. <laughs> but this week, oh, wait, before I was about to like jump into the main topic and I forgot. Oh, this what? is what happens when I take two weeks off. I forget how to Joag. Um, <laughs> golly, this is why I can't do that. I have to do this every week. Have you been watching anything lately? Um, yeah, actually, um, we, uh, we watched, uh, Aladdin and Little Mermaid the other day. I was, uh, I saw, I saw Anna had logged that. Yeah. I think maybe both of those. And I was like, what's happening here? <laughs> what's, well, what's for some reason, Emily got into this mood to just watch the Little Mermaid and she actually did it like a week ago. And then one day we were just hanging out and she just turned on Little Mermaid again. And it was like, well, I have no problem with this. Love Little Mermaid. So (laughs) it really, it honestly, I think Little Mermaid holds up better than one would even realize. Yeah. You watch it, it, it's just like, I think it was always my favorite because it's kind of scary. It is. It's kind of scary. That's, yeah. It's got a great villain, like a really, I think, um, yeah, Aladdin and, and Little Mermaid were two of my favorites. I mean, that's just yeah, because it was when I was a kid. Right, it's the time they came out, of course. But yeah. I liked them better than I liked like Beauty and the Beast and yes, you know the other things that came out around the same time. Yeah, uh, more than Lion King. Really, I liked Lion King, but I think Aladdin and Little Mermaid were really kind of the yeah. top two for me. Me too, and I, I think you know Robin Williams. I love Robin Williams. Like as a kid, yeah. I saw everything Robin Williams was in. So Aladdin Isn't was that like such a funny thing. Like he was like an actual like comedian, right? You know, serious actor, all these kinds of things. But kids fucking loved yeah. Robin Williams. <laughs> uh, he he just came across as genuine. I think yeah. because he was he was a very yeah. genuine person. So yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I remember watching. Mrs. Doubtfire and mm-hmm. the birdcage and stuff like that. And just like, even as <laughs> a kid a knowing, like, I'm not getting a lot of this, yeah, but I don't understand he's it, hilarious. <laughs> funny, nonetheless. There was a guy on the plane yesterday who he watched the birdcage. Uh huh. He followed that up with The Devil Wears Prada. Okay. Uh, and then he watched um, In the Heights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was like, when that guy got up, and had like a rainbow bracelet on. It was the least surprising yeah. thing I have ever seen in my like, entire yeah, life. He's, he's definitely, he's definitely like telegraphing. Committed to the yeah. lifestyle right here. It was glorious. I was just like, I like this guy. His he knows what he likes. His brand is strong. He's, <laughs> By the way, that's in. a that's a solid. Little that's a solid lineup. Triple yeah. feature there, right? <laughs> right. I was like, well played. That's an uh-huh. enjoyable, you know, six hours of flight entertainment Seriously. right there. Um, but yeah, the birdcage is the birdcage is definitely one of those ones that like I thought it was funny when I was a kid, and then when I watched it growing up, I was like, it's still hilarious. I don't know why I thought this was funny as a kid. Yeah, what did I get? I wasn't getting it clearly. <laughs> yeah. I just I knew the the pattern of comedy, and it was like right. uh, this is where you laugh. Yes, yeah. something something kind of incredible about that. You yeah, know? it's like things we understand, even if we don't understand about comedy, and I like that. 
Have you ever, um, like, that, that is something, yeah, that I've noticed before with, like, babies. Like, yeah, babies will learn the rhythm of when they're supposed to laugh and laugh yeah. at that point. And it's like, that's so, like, yeah. what is going on there? Like, the baby doesn't think it's funny. Yeah, I think that often. I'm like, there's not, I don't think the kid thinks this is as hilarious as we right. think it does. It's just learned that's when you laugh. Right. This is when you it's do that. baby laugh track. Yeah, and laughing then makes you feel good. So you're like, okay, that must have. Right. There must have been a reason I did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. you get to the adult brain of like, ah, I get why that's funny. Well, uh, I wish I could you... feel serotonin again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I was thinking about this because I was watching Only Murders in the Building. Oh yes, and... I haven't seen that yet. And, and and it's it's cute. It's like not like. It's definitely got kind of it's a it's a show you can watch whether you are like twenty or you are seventy, you know, okay. like so it's a very sort gotcha. of broad humor in that way. Um but I was thinking about the fact that like in this, Steve Martin and Martin Short managed to be like funny. Um uh -huh. in ways that a lot of times like Steve Martin, bless him, is often not funny now because the humor is the kind of thing that was funny in the eighties and nineties and right. doesn't translate over as much. well yeah and he was doing anti-comedy in yes. the 80s so it's right. like yeah how does that translate 40 yeah. years later which is also like so then thinking about that like you remember a month or two ago um his king tut video was circulating did you see that yeah i remember this uh-huh and it was like basically this sort of battle between the people who are like god this is so dumb i can't believe people ever thought he was funny and people who are like no you're not getting the anti-comedy thing he's right. doing right here you know mm -hmm. and like thinking about like how comedy moves like so then like say like 2004 right i'm graduating or i'm yeah graduating from high school all that kind of stuff right. and it's like frat pack stuff is it you know it's it's yeah. dodgeball it's wedding crashers right. things like that you know move that to now and i mean i still think dodgeball is like the funniest movie ever made, but a lot of that stuff is still yeah. is not like super funny now no and it's weird to think about that that like we learn funny you know right <laughs> and it's completely based on like all these little shifting social things so even something that was funny to us 20 years ago we learned comedy is not that anymore and now we don't laugh at it you know <laughs> this is something that irritated me to no end um when um i would take you know literature courses before i got into the do the like you know 400 level courses where it was you know people trying either literature um majors or people just trying to get a credit and right. oftentimes the people trying to get a credit would be you know very much like you're reading too much into this etc etc and it's right. like you don't understand the context of something 15 years ago and we're right. reading a book from 150 years ago and yeah. you think oh you just read the words and that's what it means right like there's so much fucking context that you're missing out on. Like, I and, and yeah, it's like comedy from the, the mid-2000s. A ton of it doesn't hit anymore. It just right. doesn't. Unless you still have the connection to it from seeing it then, and, like, you're remembering all these positive feelings. You watch it now, and you're like, oh, fucking, that is cringy, or, like, <laughs> yeah, right. borderline racist, or homophobic, yeah. or all that sort of stuff, and it just doesn't hit anymore. Yeah, I, that's I think, one of the reasons I think like dodgeball actually does hit is because there's like really 
like the only homophobia in that the joke is on a homophobic person right. you know for being an asshole yeah. you know I, you like know some that. some of those do because I, I recently rewatched uh anchorman and um mm-hmm. talladega nights mm-hmm. both of them still stand up talladega nights like the, again yeah the joke is that the homophobes are idiots right like, yeah <laughs> uh, and yeah like i i think i think some of that stuff still survives well yeah, I, it's, it's just that mid-2000s period was it's a rough one it's rough <laughs> yeah it's a really rough period to kind of look back on pop culturally there's mm-hmm. not not a lot that can be salvaged from that without a lot of caveats right for sure uh, and, and i'm glad that we've moved past all of that but yeah, all that to just say, it's like, it's fascinating the way that we kind of learn humor and it's different. You yeah. Know. The other day I posted a thing from Clickhole and it was a picture. So do you follow Clickhole uh-huh. on stuff? So yeah. you know how they do those fake quotes from right. people? Uh-huh. And I posted one of them and it was like Leonardo DiCaprio. And it was like, uh, we've started an organization where we want to feed um, a hamburger to every animal on earth so that then we can change its wikipedia page uh to uh, under diet to say hamburger right and it's like if you are like a weird twitter like very online person like like, yeah that's that's fucking hilarious yeah (laughs) but i got more dms Uh in reply to that going what than anything that i have ever posted before like just flew right over people's heads and i'm like yeah this requires so many layers of knowledge and like type of humor and all this kind of stuff that like i can't i could explain the joke to you right but but then it's not funny funny. right (laughs) like there's no part of it that's like really funny it is completely reliant on context and you being in the group of people who understands the context of this otherwise I don't know. It's just, yeah. Like, uh, he it's just, starts just a lot words. of charities yeah. and like uh-huh. he's in environmentalism and like <laughs> you, if you feed something a hamburger, then it's technically part of its diet now. <laughs> I do want that. Whales eat hamburgers. <laughs> just everything hamburger. Like, it's you know, so funny. It's just... so goddamn funny. You can't help but imagine. Leonardo DiCaprio like going up to random animals and giving yeah, them hamburgers, hamburger. and then getting on his phone and editing the Wikipedia. changing the Wikipedia page. Orangutans eat hamburgers. It turns out. <laughs> Check. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anything else you watched lately? Oh gosh. Um. Uh, oh, I've been watching American Horror Stories. Um. Oh. I am. I'm enamored by the ability of uh, wait, what's his name? Ryan um, Ryan Murphy. Murphy, uh, the ability of Ryan Murphy to make something that could only exist in one exact moment. Uh, there was a very mm. interesting episode recently that was very much like a had to do with like vaccines and stuff like that, and it was yeah. like so very clearly just an episode for 15 minutes of a period of like it it's it's something that he's dedicated to that i love about him is that like oh yeah if this if this doesn't like make any sense in two years i don't give a shit right i'm just gonna include everything going on right now and make it into one episode I That's do actually love that. a really good point i never yeah. really you know i have my qualms with ryan murphy mostly right. because 
as I've said many times on Joag, like my biggest, I get the angriest at any piece of media when it should be better than it is and it that's has potential. That's so true and of that's American everything Horror Story. In I love makes. it. Oh, yeah. I love American Horror Story. I think American Horror, Horror Story yeah. is better than American Horror Story because at it's least, a good idea. you know, yeah, yeah and, and it's like you, even though they're kind of loosely connected or whatever, they're right. really not. So you can basically. Yeah. You're taking an hour of a story or whatever, and then if that one didn't work, okay, on to the next. Yeah. And a lot of them are very clever. My biggest problem with Ryan Murphy is usually that he's very good at starting. Right, but not finishing. Series, and then like, right. they just completely peter out. Yeah. So in an hour, it's really hard to completely fuck something like that. that you know? um, the most recent season, they did double feature, which was t- uh, two different stories. So it was, I think, like six episodes for each. Mm. That was kind of perfect for him too. Like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I think I think thirteen or so episodes is just too much. Yes, <laughs> it's too yeah, much. Absolutely. He needs it to be shorter. Yeah, he's six is always the moment where it's like it peaks, and then yeah. once you hit seven, mm-hmm. it goes off the rails. And so I think yeah, doing it like that absolutely fits his style. Yeah, um, he, there's also his John Waters tendency to do stunt casting, oh, where. Yeah. Uh, you know, John Waters had like Patty Hearst in and mm-hmm. stuff a lot. Yeah, um, what's um, Tracy Lords? Like, right. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he Ryan Murphy gets like the uh, the daughter of say Cindy Crawford who couldn't possibly act if like she <laughs> she is horrendous as an actress, just horrendous. Oh, God. Um, but the whole time you're just like, yeah, she does look a lot like Cindy Crawford though. Yeah, yep. I see. Yeah. I see why he hired her. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a, a thing he likes to do. He can, and that's another thing. It's like Ryan Murphy can either be like a genius of casting, right? Or just like throws whatever, just whoever, at something yeah. and sees what mm-hmm. sticks, and it's in between. Just a very confusing person, <laughs> but is certainly. The look on your face was just pure exhaustion. That's exactly what it is. Confusing. (laughs) It is just exhausting. It's like every time I'm going to watch every single thing, and every time I'm going to go through the same cycle of emotions about it. And uh, yeah, in perpetuity until he or I dies. Yeah. I th- I, yeah, I think he'll just live forever, probably. <laughs> yeah, so. I think so. I, uh-huh. I absolutely think he's going to outlive me. And <laughs> For sure. The rest of us. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah. Okay, what have you been watching? I've not been watching anything. Uh, yeah. Much like I... Pinocchio and Job, you've been hanging out in Wales. Oh, what? nicely done. <laughs> Although it's Jonah, not Job, right? Damn it. <laughs> Jonah, fuck. But it was good nonetheless. Damn it. Oh, it would have been so good if I nailed that. My Bible knowledge is just pouring out of my head. That's fine. That's that's for the best. (laughs) Um, No, I obviously I've been away for the past 18 days and I had every intention of like downloading things onto my iPad to like watch and stuff like that. And then I just did not do that. Yeah, because you were in a foreign country enjoying yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, but sometimes I was just, like, sitting around. But a- as a result, I, like, read, which is great. Oh, that's cool. Um, as you know, I finished the book club book Goblin, like, a day right. ahead of time. Yeah. 
which rarely happens. And I read Nightmare Fuel, which is really nice. And, you know, so I got a lot of that done. That's cool. Um, and then, but when I got back, so as soon as I got to the UK, a video game was released by Devolver Digital, which is the um, the company that made my favorite game or distributed my favorite game, uh, Death's Door. Okay. And they came out with this game that was like, it's like it was made in a lab for me. <laughs> It's okay. like it's a roguelike uh-huh. uh, that is like so it's like very Hades esque. Okay, uh, in which you are the head of a satanic cult. You're a little goat who okay. is the head awesome. of a cult, and it has farming elements to okay. it. Okay, so it's like playing Farmville. Only you have to, like, sacrifice people from time to time and then go on these little, like, roguelike journeys where you go and, like, kill a bunch of shit and try to keep on and, you know, die over and over again as you try to fight these various things and move forward in the game. Okay. It's absolutely perfect. It's called Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb. And it's out on everything, basically. Okay. You can get it on your Switch, your PS4s and 5s, your Xbox. Um, I think you can get it on Steam everywhere it's like 30 bucks and it was like the first thing i did when i got home i was like because i decided not to bring my switch with me just because i didn't want to put it in my bag i was like oh if you bring two electronic devices you have to take them out of your bag so i am not going to bring two electronic devices and then i arrived in the uk and saw that came out and i was like no no but (laughs) why why i could be be playing that uh and so obviously with a little jet lag i woke up at 5 30 this morning and, uh, you know, ate breakfast, and then I was like, the game, and downloaded Cult of the Lamb. Uh, and after getting some work done, I ordered some Taco Bell, and I sat down, and I got absorbed in the game awesome. for a couple hours. Uh, and it is absolutely delightful. So if you're just looking for a fun, funny game that's not insanely hard, you know, it's difficult in a very manageable way you can turn up the difficulty on it too if you want to mm. you know go hard but for something that you can just kind of like mindlessly like absorb yourself in but has a good story in it um and just all of those kinds of elements cult of the lamb is wonderful awesome i, I have to check that out yeah I, I think you'd probably enjoy it i've been looking for something you know my next game fixation i realized i had played 89 hours of death store and considering that is a game that's supposed to take you about eight hours to play, that is uh, that's how many times I've beat this game awesome. <laughs> that I've played eighty nine hours of this very short game. So I needed something else to not just constantly play the same game over and over again. And this I is do that. Beautiful. I just play the same thing over and over again. I mean, I if you like it, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I I constantly go back to fallout uh or or skyrim or oblivion things like that but i i mean you know i've played i've been playing red dead redemption and Mm. assassin's creed odyssey recently though i i tend to just play baseball like mlb the show 2022 is so fucking good i love it (laughs) (laughs) i you've talked about it on dead and lovely before and it's made me very like curious about it because i do like you know i had a baseball game on my game boy yeah. When I was a kid. And like you, I liked to pitch. I really liked Yeah, it's so fun. Game. It's like relaxing. Yeah. yeah. And so when you were saying that, I was like, a part of me was like, 
that sounds boring, but a part of me was also like, that also sounds like I could lose myself in it for a yep. really long time. Yeah, so, I absolutely do. Um, I actually started playing the full game recently, <laughs> like actually like batting and fielding right. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really fun. But if if I just want to relax, I just go in there and start pitching. Just I don't know why that just back and forth. I, I really yeah. I, I the thing is, like, I've always wanted a great baseball game mm-hmm. and there I've never played one that was like really super fun to me. This is right. the first one where like I'm so into it that oh, it, it's that. just kind of perfect. Did you ever play like the Wii baseball game? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I got a kick out of out of that. I think well, also because I just like anything where I'm like moving while I'm playing the yeah. game. But I kind of wish that there was like a really good something like that. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> I think we've kind of like it's weird, but, you know, there was that moment where everything was, like, the Wii and the Kinect and everything. It was like, mm-hmm. ooh, you can move and do all this stuff. Right. And now it's like, nah, nobody wants that. Don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, even even VR, it's like, that felt like a moment where we thought that was going to be the thing. But it's like, eh, it's right. a fun thing to break out at a party from time to time. But nobody yeah. really wants to, like, do that in their living room every day. Isn't that interesting? Like, you know, like, Facebook meta is putting so much into the metaverse and stuff like that and like all this attempt to create this world that we've been told in dystopian novels and and movies is the inevitability and humans are just like no no i don't want it not interested not interested in it i don't care that the world sucks right now i'm gonna (laughs) live in it rather be in that yeah yeah there you know yeah and like historically that's always been the case right like vr has always failed mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's not just because of the technology not being there or whatever i think it's, it's just so isolating like, it's very isolating and yeah. i think it's as a novelty it's kind of fun right you, know, you love to put it again like it's a good party thing you put it on everyone laughs as someone walks into walls ha, 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 and, et cetera. You know, yeah and then stuff. like okay what do you do with it now <laughs> <laughs> right but it's like yeah in your everyday life it's like it it's like I don't know if it's an uncanny valley type thing or something. Like, it's not even that. It's not that it's scary or anything. It's just sort of a, like, why is there really much value to blurring the line between reality and games when I, those yeah. are two things that, like, we're trying to separate? Right. I th- <laughs> Yeah, and I think our brains need that. Like, yeah. Like, we need to know that the game we're playing exists in that rectangle in front of us. Right. So that yeah. we can stop it anytime we want. Yeah. It's we're in control. That's what the the feeling of video games is control. Like you feel yeah. out of control in your life, you sit down yeah. and play a video game, you're in control. You get into a VR uh headset, it's like what the fuck you're in a disorienting yeah. world. Yes. And now you're not in control anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, the disorientation I think is such like a huge part of that cuz no matter how, you know, real it looks mm-hmm. there's still the sense like you can't reach out and touch right things and there is like this you have to maintain this square that you can stand in you know yeah. if you go out of those boundaries it messes things up and it's not it's not freeing it's not real um i don't know i think that that's part of why it has always failed and why right yeah i think you're like there's a million reasons why meta doesn't make sense but right. what you said there <laughs> is that it really is 
it's dystopian and we all know that like you right. think of things like ready player one or you think of like remember the show reboot uh-huh and yeah. it was like when the game came in like warning incoming game and this like right. big block comes down and like you know everyone has to get out of the way you're sucked into this like violent game or whatever it's like we've always acknowledged <laughs> that vr is is a dystopian concept there's right. like something within us that doesn't trust it yeah call and... me when you create holodecks the moment right. that I'm it feels real <laughs> i'm 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 down but until Seriously. if i've got to wear a headset just no i'm not interested yeah i'm out headset gloves all that kind of stuff uh pass <laughs> <laughs> uh but yes cold of lamb is a lot of fun no vr necessary <laughs> it's a good time so Steve. Yes, that's me. I've brought you here today. Mm-hmm. Because as we have mentioned a few times, you know, in the times that you've been on this show, we have touched upon uh in various ways the fact that you, for a period of time in your life, mm-hmm. were a Mormon. Former Mormon. Foreman. Foreman. I'm a foreman. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh you know, we've talked quite a bit about religion on Jack mm-hmm. of All Graves, and I have talked at length in a few episodes yeah. about, you know, how I came from a non-religious family and ended up an evangelical Christian and kind of, you know, now I can pinpoint what needs I was fulfilling right. when I when I went there. What was I afraid of? What did I need in my life that I was filling uh, with this religion? So... I kind of wanted to to talk to you about your journey there. What brought you to that as, you know, an atheist kid uh, turning Mormon as, yeah. you know, an adult choice. A, um, weird, a weird little uh, tangent in my life. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some a bit about the Mormon Church itself because yeah. I think a lot of people don't know a ton about it i mean maybe people who watch true crime know a lot of things about like the flds (laughs) or things like that yeah um but yeah just kind of you know some of the beliefs of the mormons some of the weirder Mm -hmm. beliefs some of the there's some of those for sure yeah yeah Yeah. all that kind of stuff so first and foremost steve what was this journey how did we get the steve who converts (sighs) Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I grew up completely just atheist. Um, yeah. My family wasn't religious, though. My, my great-grandmother was, like, went to church every Wednesday and Sunday and all sorts of stuff like that. We just always thought of her as our religious great-grandmother. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, I read religious texts a lot. Like, I was very interested in all the various you know religions and what they believe because you know this is uh shaping people's thoughts and things so i want to know what they're they're thinking and there was i guess a tendency toward christianity because it's the world that i grew up in in the south uh christianity was was the number one uh and you don't really run into anybody who isn't christian um (laughs) so there was a tendency towards uh uh christianity somewhat if i if i were to believe religion i guess um sure. aside from that um i was doing a lot of lsd just a ton of it 
Um, where do you like? Where do you procure LSD? And at what age? I don't do know, but hey, point? if anybody uh, knows, uh, <laughs> I could get you an address and you can send me some. Uh, yeah, um, there you go. I, what age are we talking at this point? Okay, so I um I think I first did LSD when I was um seventeen. Okay. And um, you know, I, as I as I was saying earlier, that like people would ask me in school all the time if I was gay. Uh, I was uh, weird for sure. Definitely, <laughs> um, always very much myself. But I also felt like um, people didn't understand me. So mm-hmm. started doing LSD and started really like delving into myself and like being like, you know, I like this person a whole lot, mm. but my friends are always kind of tamping this person down. Uh, there was like a lot of cynicism and and just overall bad vibes from my friend group okay, at that yeah. time. Um, and then nine eleven happened, um, mm. and I think it was a couple nights after that. I was like hanging out with those friends, and one of them started talking about how we need to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and right. blow all those people up. And I was just like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And we got into this argument and he kicked me out of his apartment. Um, And all of my friends were just sitting there like, you got to go. Like, fuck you. Um, And for me, it was like, this is the wake up call. This is the Mm. these aren't my friends. These Mm -hmm. people don't like me. We just know each other because of proximity. Yes. Um, So I was definitely looking for like community and good vibes and <laughs> then i was uh took some lsd and i ran into my friend matt who had recently converted to mormonism wow. now he wasn't a good mormon i didn't know that at the time because <laughs> uh, to me i didn't know what fuck a mormon was right uh, yeah. but he was also on lsd <laughs> which mormons don't do no, that is, uh, yeah but he started They're telling still me iffy on caffeine. Let's not right. start going LSD here. <laughs> he started uh, telling me all about his new church and stuff, and I was. It, he seemed like way happier, and that was mm. to me that kind of lit up in my mind. Like, wow, so so Matt's happier. I'll check it out. Um, I did, and it, it instantly kind of had the things that I really needed at that time, which was a, a platform to be myself and a community of people who just support you. Now, yeah. I say that because I am a, a cis white male. It right. is a community of, of people right. who support cis white males in all of their endeavors. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that at the time, uh, but <laughs> it felt course. good. It was nice yeah. to be validated. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, like with anything, I just dove headfirst into it so i started reading everything and researching everything and knew the um you know book of mormon and the the mormons use the bible uh old testament new testament they also have the book of mormon uh which i'll explain in a second uh as well as uh, a thing called the doctrine and covenants and another thing called the pearl of great price the pearl of of great price is when things get real fun (laughs) we'll we'll talk about that but (laughs) so the Mormons believe that um, Jesus Christ established uh, the the church on earth um, and established the idea that there would be a prophet and 12 apostles 
to lead the church on earth. Uh, and then after he was crucified and many of the early apostles were, you know, martyred or whatever, um, there was an apostasy, meaning that the church was taken from the earth. The priesthood power was removed from the earth because the people were too wicked. Um, and then it had to be restored. And that was done by a <laughs> a kid from upstate New York <laughs> who just happened to live in a hotbed of new religious ideas uh, that were especially um, targeted around sex. Uh, mm. I believe you guys talked about John Noyes on here. Yeah. Yes, we did. About yeah. The um, Oneida community. Right. So there, there was a lot of like stuff that was either about how everyone should have sex or no one should have sex. Yes. The Shakers, for instance. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. If you establish a, a religion where no one has sex, you die out. Dies pretty out soon. real yeah. fast. Yeah. yeah. Real quick. <laughs> um, so um, Joseph Smith, I mean. If you read the Book of Mormon, uh, one, you're seeing like the tenth edit of the the book at this point. But mm. if you if you read the Book of Mormon, what you'll see is a ton of stuff from the Bible with mm -hmm. different names and stuff. Like, okay. <laughs> um, no, nothing, nothing outlandish. Honestly, that's okay. that's kind of kind of interesting to me because like a lot of people think Mormons are weird. Mm -hmm. um, and from the formerly outside, then inside, now outside again perspective, Mormons are no weirder than any other uh, Christian sect. Like, right. It's just kind of like if you really examine any Christian belief yeah. system, it's going to get real weird real fast. Yeah. This one just happens to be a uniquely American, <laughs> Very American. Of it. That is exactly yeah. what it is. See, I Mormons at one point were what you might call the um, American dream of, mm -hmm. of like manifest destiny. Like we're going to take this area and turn it into something. Uh, they did it in Kirtland, Ohio. They did it in Nauvoo, Illinois. Uh, and they, they kept getting driven out for some crazy reason. I don't know if maybe it had to do with Joseph Smith um, uh, instructing his apostles and things to steal other men's wives um but that's yeah, what they were doing don't love that people don't I tend found. to like that no no they yeah. don't uh justice smith also he uh also said that uh an angel came to him and said that he he had to marry a 14 year old uh or uh he would be killed so uh polygamy started in <laughs> nauvoo illinois this is they they early on were like a utopian community where right. everything was shared etc uh, and that led to also wives are shared, but also husbands were shared. It was it was true polygamy. Yeah. It was not okay. just uh, uh, polygyny, right, where you have multiple wives. Um, there there were women married to multiple men as well as men married to multiple women. Um, that of course upset people. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't like that this was going on, especially because it involved uh, convincing already married women. To come join your yeah, join community and yeah <laughs> um so yeah this led to uh, joseph smith being killed um and then the mormons moving out to utah which again they turned a an absolute desert into something um yeah, they absolutely. using 
communism. They used communism right, to build yeah. their communities. That's what they did. Um, and then, of course, once they get out to, to Utah, this has, like, sparked these huge, like, debates about what marriage is. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point, marriage was, like, I, we say we're married. And we're married. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the idea, then, that the federal government needs to step in uh, regarding marriage <laughs> starts with the Mormons. Yeah, and it's always, like, about controlling somebody right right <laughs> like yeah not to say that these are great you know the way that these things were right. enacted was great right but you know it's always about like oh someone's doing a thing and i think we are morally not okay with it right we better uh, make laws about it and it really did have to do with communal living more than anything mm-hmm. like the government can't have that the, mm-hmm. the, the a, a very dedicated capitalist government is not going to allow right. successful communes um yeah. And yeah, you're right, though. I mean, as far as marriage goes, as I said, he married a 14 year old. Like these aren't these aren't like we're not talking uh, about like marriages. Our, yeah, we're not talking about like our modern conception of like polyamory, polyamory and stuff. Like right. That. Yeah. This is not consensual. No. Adults chilling and having a good time. No. This I is... mean, from time to time it was, but mostly, yeah, sure. yeah it, it is. And especially after generations, it just becomes. Horrendous, as we see the with the FLDS. Yeah, and yeah. crime stuff now when you see all the F- FLDS yeah. issues and So there was a war between the Mormons and the United States government <laughs> um, that that ended. And, and, and essentially, Mormons started to learn to pass. They mm. got rid of polygamy and started embracing Americanness and embracing capitalism. Um, it became staunchly anti-communist throughout mm-hmm. the you know Red Scare days, and uh, now yeah, you you just have a bunch of confused people being like, one day we're gonna share all things in common, but not that because that's communism. But right. one day we're gonna, but no, but, <laughs> but one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, that, that I mean, their their basic beliefs though are just that uh, uh, the same as. Uh, any other Christians that, uh, you know, Jesus is the son of God, etc. It's just that they believe that now in 1820, uh, God called a prophet. And from that point on, we've had prophets and apostles supposedly on earth. Now, yeah, if you read anything these prophets and apostles say, you find out they're just idiots. Like, right. <laughs> dummies. Like, well, real that's one of the things dumb that's, dumbs. Yeah, that's so interesting about... Uh, Mormonism compared to other Christian denominations. Um, and, and of course, like like evangelical Christians would say Mormons aren't Christians, you know. Yeah. It's a totally different thing altogether. Yeah, it's not. But it's not. <laughs> one of the things that, you know, when I was learning about this in my like new religions and cults class when I was in college was this idea of new revelation, right? Right. That Christianity in general, most Christian denominations the second you get new revelation, you're journeying into cult territory. Right. Uh, like, yeah. God has not said anything new since the <laughs> right. Bible. And, and in and they Mormonism, can, yeah. that's, it's happening every time you get a new head of the church. Exactly. Right? Well, and beyond that, like, they, there's also the belief in personal revelation. Like that, right, yeah. Yeah, individuals can receive word from God regarding their, their selves. Like, that, that, to me, was a huge draw. Was mm-hmm. that, oh, okay, so this is a living church. This is a church that is continually receiving revelation. 
once you start investigating those revelations, you go, oh, whoa, <laughs> Jesus, these are fucked up people. But um, they're, they're, again, those revelations are really no different than what you'd hear from preachers of the time. Um, like, you know, oftentimes uh, the Mormon Church gets criticized for not giving the priesthood to black men until 1978. Right. Um, which comes from a weird perspective where everybody else was woke in 1978 right. and it's yeah. like no no <laughs> as opposed to all the like literally the southern baptist church was invented right. <laughs> so that they wouldn't have black people in it. exactly yeah <laughs> like, this now, is these not are a strictly things, mormon issue right these are things of course to criticize but uh yeah. again I, i'm just saying that mormons are no more criticizable than every other christian yeah. but um mormons have some fun beliefs well Ooh, tell. beliefs um they're, they're kind of folk beliefs some of them okay. uh so when ideas... you say folk beliefs like so it's not necessarily like this is in one of those what three four books that you yeah yeah it's not mentioned. it's not considered doctrine right. um but the thing is in, in the mormon church basically you have to go through the confusing ritual of Every time a general authority, that is a prophet or apostle, speaks, they are either speaking for the Lord or they're speaking for themselves. And you just got to figure out when that's <laughs> happening. Okay. So. <laughs> that sounds like a really fun game. It is a fun game. Yeah. yeah. So one of the apostles uh, early in the church, David W. Just Patton. Just real quick. Can you, uh, what is what is the difference between like an apostle and mm. a like prophet okay so uh in in mormon belief basically the prophet has all of the authority over the church okay. there is a there is then there are two um assistants um who also have all authority over the church if the prophet dies okay uh and then below them are all the rest of the apostles all the rest of the apostles were the other three to die, they each have the authority for the senior apostle to take over as prophet. Okay. Um, so it, it really is about seniority uh, okay. at a certain point. Though early in the church, when Joseph Smith died, there was no established, like, who gets to be prophet next. So there sure, were yeah. several contenders. And, right. um, like, I think there were three different sects that, spawned off from that but brigham young was the the one most accepted by everyone right. else and if you ever read anything about brigham young real piece of shit yeah, just terrible absolute terrible human. terrible human being i mean joseph smith wasn't like some progressive uh uh, uh, uh but he the dude did give the priesthood to black men when he was alive oh, okay. and then I when he died brigham young was like no more of that nah, yeah. <laughs> i'm super fucking <laughs> racist <laughs> Um, so yes, Apostle David W. Patton. Um, so early in the church, it's interesting because you can tell nobody really knows what's going on. So a lot of times the people with any sort of authority kind of did their own thing and could maybe make up a lot of bullshit. Um, real interesting to me is that he, he claims to have seen Bigfoot, um, and that Bigfoot is, in fact, Cain. Oh, shit. Of Abel and Cain. 
Now, hold on. Cain supposedly, in in some uh, doctrines, was cursed to walk the earth uh, and never die. Oh, okay. That's wrong. So in the, in this uh, story, David W. Patton is he's wa- he's going along on his horse, and he comes up alongside a creature that is dark and covered in hair, and standing up, its its head comes to his shoulder on his horse. So uh-huh. this is a giant cane, yeah. uh, and he talks to this cane creature, and the creature says that he's here to do Satan's business on Earth. Oh. Now, this is kind of an obscure story. Um, when I mentioned it to my wife, she'd never she'd never heard yeah. it. But in the 1980s, there was a Bigfoot sighting in a city in Utah that kind of reignited interest in this story. And Phenomenal. what it what it is at the root of it is that Mormons need to believe someone's fighting against them. They need that. They need yes, to believe right. there are forces on this earth fighting against them. That then makes everything true to them. Like yes, evangelicals if, are the same way. This yep. absolutely resonates. Yeah. Yep. The moment that you have someone fighting against you, they're only fighting you because it's the truth, and they're on right. Satan's side, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, an an element about this though is that he he saw as you said about the the moon men. He mm-hmm. saw this creature as covered in hair and dark. Right. Um, so he's basically saying Cain was a black man, right? Right, which is a fair. I, well, I know in the Mormon church that was yes. a big so issue. It is an issue because in the Book of Mormon, it is claimed. Uh, so the Book of Mormon chronicles uh, a story of some Israelites who made it to the Americas. Mm-hmm. and then established civilizations. Uh, they're, they're referred to in the Book of Mormon as the Nephites and the Lamanites, mm-hmm. uh, named after two brothers of, of the head of this exposition, Lehi. One, Nephi, wanted to follow his, his father's guidance and, and you know, uh, Jesus, etc. Um, and the other, Laman, wanted to do, you know, his own thing. Uh, and because of that... He and all of his people were cursed with a skin of blackness. And according to the Book of Mormon, if they accept the gospel, they'll turn white again. Yeah. Right? Okay. You've said that the Book of Mormon is a changing document, right? Like it's edited. It has been edited. Um, So is that the original? Yes. Yeah. Some people say that uh, the edits aren't major. And honestly, I've looked through them and most of them aren't major. They just kind of clarify some language, but they, they have removed some things that would potentially be seen in a different light (laughs) now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's interesting because Mormons like they have been clashing with race since the inception because we're talking about 1820s, 1830s, and uh, you know, eliminating slavery is a major conversation in the North right. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're constantly wrestling with race in a way that the Bible doesn't have to. That's true. It's <laughs> uh, very true. And, yeah. and it makes for an interesting uh albeit racist document for sure um 
I do though. We have to talk about because I mean, you're talking about 1830, the 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 moon thing, like mm-hmm. people's fascination with cultures and and mysteries that they you know couldn't possibly solve in 1830 yeah. was huge, and that's kind of what Joseph Smith was playing on mm-hmm. because he. A, a book had been written about like a Roman legion getting lost here in the Americas. And like, that's some people think that may be where he got the idea for this because okay. there was this concept of like, you know, uh, different civilizations getting here before Columbus that was very like popular at the time. Um, what's his name? Washington Irving had written a uh, Christopher Columbus biography that yes. was super popular and full of lies. Yes. Um, and in fact, the Book of Mormon cl- claims that Christopher Columbus was guided by God to come oh, here. Boy. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, they were wrestling with a lot of things. But one of the most interesting things is that uh, Egyptian mummies were really popular. Yeah. Uh, they were touring the country with mummies yeah. like, here, look, it's mm-hmm. a fucking mummy. Um, and Joseph Smith bought like some egyptian reliquary and then translated it uh and it became the pearl of great price and everyone who knows anything about egyptology will tell you he didn't translate a goddamn thing like he (laughs) if he did he doesn't know what what he's doing kidding me yeah uh so it's all just made up nonsense but the pearl of great price interestingly contains a uh contains knowledge or, or some information about the planetary system near where god resides okay go yeah on. it starts to get real interesting because we find out that the planet closest to where god resides is named kolob kolob okay. um is apparently where we all were before we existed we're just spirits like floating lived, around yeah on kolob right spirit sperm right and then we became people um uh and kolob is where we will return to okay. and it's interesting because it's a space it's a like physical space mm. that could be mapped universally right and that is so interesting because up to this point like heaven is just a mindset right it's not an actual like physical Physical space you can go to like you couldn't get in a spaceship and go to heaven yeah right yeah but in this you could right like if it exists out in the universe you could like fly to it in a spaceship theoretically we could find it someday and, and like get there now also interesting is the belief that um it being a faithful Mormon and keeping all the covenants means you get to become God. Right. <laughs> um, this was a huge draw to me. Now the missionaries <laughs> don't teach you this stuff, okay. but my friend uh, Matt, who had joined the church and was doing LSD with me, this was all he was telling me about. Yeah. Um, so he's telling me about you know you you become you become a god and you create a planet just like Earth and then your spirit children live out existence on this planet and i'm like wow that sounds like a cool video game and i would love (laughs) to play it yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but it it that 
the the thing that like Christians hear that and they think that's so weird. Yeah. But what was what's so weird to me is that if you ask a Christian what heaven is, they have no fucking clue what heaven is. It's just right. oh, I'll see all the people that I saw again. There's or no even, like idea. For some, it's not even necessarily that. It's like literally. Like the idea of like, oh, you worship God twenty four seven, and that's right. like how amazing. boring. And like, yeah, <laughs> sounds terrible, honestly. <laughs> yeah, not doesn't sound great. So, <laughs> like, this was so interesting to me because they like they've thought it out. They've been like, okay, so what does happen? Like, all right, yeah. uh, they also don't believe in a hell. That, that was like to me that was a right. major uh, drawing point because it's like. I, I always felt real terrible about the concept that people could go to hell just because they didn't hear about Jesus. Like, that's... Right, yeah. Like, w what sort of just God would do that? But, yeah, they didn't believe in hell. They believed that after, you know, if, if you didn't hear about it on Earth, after this life, you'll hear about it, and you can accept it then. And it's like, oh, cool. Those are all, like, yeah. cool, like... You're closing a lot of my, like, problems with Christianity. Totally. Real nice. Absolutely. But then you start investigating more. <laughs> this is where... <laughs> yeah, all these things sound very nice. And honestly, I think the way that you've kind of described these things or something, like, what would appeal to an atheist who likes drugs and things like that, right. who's really into, like, freedoms and not mm -hmm. into, like, people suffering and all of that kind of stuff, having yeah. it described this way, because most people I know who are or were Mormons grew up that way. Right, You know, yeah. so they weren't drawn by these no. kinds of things and a lot of these things of this, like you know? push them away like yeah. when i read sure. other ex-mormons like stories they they'll be like oh the temple ceremony pushed me away and mm -hmm. that drew me in to me it mm. was like oh there's like symbolism to be understood yeah. here my brain instantly wants to figure that out right uh but yeah to me i guess a lot of the things that were most interesting are the things that most people who are born in the church just don't think about right because yeah. why yeah. it's not important <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> but then um yeah then you start investigating more and i i don't like suffering i don't like people being treated poorly and uh that is always going to be the case i mm. think with christianity mm -hmm. is it involves suffering it involves people being treated poorly and i saw a good bit of that i saw a good bit of of nice people doing really good things yeah. But I also saw men with power using that power the way men with power often do. Um, uh, one of the uh, – the head of a, a local, like, uh, ward of, of the LDS church is called a bishop. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a bishop when Em and I first got married, and um, he his business was payday loans. Um, oh boy! So the man is is evil. <laughs> yeah, like, is just taking advantage of people. Mm -hmm. and, and then every uh, interaction I had with him, he was evil. Like he <laughs> it, he clearly was not a good person. Uh -huh. And the idea in the Mormon churches, because these people have the priesthood and and revelation has been restored to earth, the idea is that God is guiding these decisions. So God decided this asshole should be in charge of whether or not that a hungry family gets to eat. Right. And th he often did not feed hungry families. He did the exact opposite of the things you're supposed to do. All this was happening at the same time as the Prop 8 
in California. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. the LDS church getting well behind stopping gay marriage. Yeah, and fact, the people I knew at that time who were most staunchly and, and to be fair, I always want to be transparent about this is that I had questions about it, too, because I was yeah. an evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. I just always had more like, you know, I was hesitant to be anti-gay on like right. But, you know, so full transparency, not to make myself sound like a great person at this time. Right. either. But the most staunch like anti or I guess pro prop eight because if you said yes, that was not right. I remember that was right. particularly yeah, was confusing. confusing. Right. So the pro prop eight people were that I knew were Mormons. They were the ones who were right. like really actively campaigning for that. Beyond, I didn't know like my church was not active in anything having to do with that. Like yeah, you know nobody in evangelical circles I ran in they might not want gay marriage but they weren't campaigning for it like the right. mormon church actively putting like money yeah in ton of money into it, it. Yeah. yeah and that i mean i had to answer questions you know i was in grad school at the time and people knew i was mormon and yeah. it clearly rubbed people the wrong way they didn't know that i was on the way out they didn't right. like and i completely get it you know just assume the worst honestly yeah <laughs> um, you can't blame people for that <laughs> yeah but that that was kind i mean i had been i had done a a like research in my undergrad into literature about mormons in the 19th century and that kind of started breaking mm-hmm. my my uh faith and then yeah that just like the this clearly evil things happening under the guise of of being religion and and being good in some way like i just couldn't deal with it i couldn't deal with it anymore and luckily my wife also was done with the church otherwise that would have been horrible but yeah that's a huge rift for a lot of couples and any of those kinds of religions yeah we definitely probably would have ended up divorced because um mormons just like you can't you cannot ascend to the highest heaven without being married to a, a faithful Mormon in the temple. Like, right. so yeah, that could have been the end of our marriage there, uh, but luckily it was not. Cause she also had that major fucking issue. Even though she grew up in the church, yeah. she just like could not get with this. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like, what is the point? Like you, you, as a church used to be the epicenter of complicated marriage relationships. Yeah. You're the reason why they established uh, like laws and rules regarding marriage federally. And now here you are wanting to stop others from being happy. Like, that's it's really like you... interesting too, because like I, I I'm addicted to the show Sister Wives, uh-huh. um, and I've watched every season of that, every tell-all, all of that kind of stuff. I love yeah. Sister Wives, and that is a point that Cody Brown makes on that show is that he's like, you know, why would I be like anti-gay marriage and stuff like this when this is right. exactly what you know Mormons have been fighting against historically? Yeah. Like it's the exact same thing. So yeah. why would I be against other people, even if I don't believe in their lifestyle or whatever, to be legally, you know, oppressing them is exactly yeah. the same thing we've been fighting. Right. And, and like, it, it, it just seems like it, it was about fully embracing the exact 
opposite of what the church was founded on. Yeah. And that just kind of broke me. I just couldn't do it anymore. And it was also just like, you know, I, I, as I grew up atheist trying so fucking hard to believe in a God, just Mm. trying for a decade to believe in a God is exhausting when you know, logically it doesn't make sense. (laughs) So you're constantly fighting your own brain and like it just started driving me crazy, especially in grad school where I'm like really trying to tear away assumptions and try to like, you know, objectively view things. And and I was also like, uh, like my, my research interest was like queer theory and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I was, I was writing, you know, papers about complex marriage in 19th century novels like that to me all of this was just like we've been through this the fact that this church who claims to be like immovable this like guided by god church has completely flipped their position is a pretty good indication they're full of shit (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah so yeah that that kind of that that was the end for me um that's also really fascinating because it's such a direct parallel to what I've talked about as sort of shut me up because it was really like not only just trying to like force myself to believe something that I didn't, Mm -hmm. but it really did come down to like reconciling, trying to force myself to be anti-gay rights. Right. You know, and that like I could not make that work. Nope. And it was like, I'm trying to find some justification for this. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, there's gotta be a reason why god says this isn't okay and then it's like you know i was trying to do the thing where it's like i guess i'll be a progressive christian who like i believe that gayness is okay yeah um you know and 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 then it was like why am i doing that (laughs) like it it all why am i forcing this whole belief when like some of the sort of central things i just like can't get on board with and every day is just forcing myself like you said you fighting your own brain that is trying to reason with you yeah and (laughs) i think like too because i as you know i didn't believe in god and now i'm trying to believe in a god so i'm establishing this concept in my head of a god and as i'm building and building it i'm thinking the the building blocks the mormons have don't build a god that i would worship like so like the god i'm building in my head is this actual merciful loving god and that's not the god i'm being told about and it's like okay like fuck one i'm building this god like i'm doing the work you skipped a step and you became the god right yeah and it's, it's also just like okay if if then this i'm not building this god this is a concept in my head that's being fleshed out by my thought the only concept of a god i can comprehend would understand that what the choice i'm making to leave this church yes is good yes yeah so like it, it, it was impossible for me to see if there is a god that any of that isn't evil like it's all evil what they're doing even though they're nice and wonderful people all the time it's evil it's just evil in general the structure is the problem yeah not necessarily the individuals yes there are bad individuals 
but the structure is ultimately right. the issue and that's and not something that you can fix through good individuals no yeah you can't you cannot fix a system just by being good in it <laughs> you, right. you you tear it down that's the only way so fucking tear it down yeah, <laughs> luckily it is it is tearing apart but that's yeah. true of all christianity right now isn't it exactly like, it's all numbers are down everywhere yeah and it's you know it's funny to watch those churches and all that kind of stuff panic about it as it's happening and not not really reflect on on why that is but and ultimately it doesn't matter because i think people's journeys are often like ours like either they are going to find some like progressive church or they become right. spiritual or they're into astrology or whatever the fuck <laughs> but yeah. or they you know have kind of worked out that the beliefs that they were attributing to god are themselves that yeah I am the one who cares about human suffering. I am the one who, you know, thinks that we should help people. I am the one who uh, does not care who somebody else loves. <laughs> and attributing yeah. that to something else is an unnecessary. Step. Right. It, it definitely makes you a better person by realizing that you're the one guiding this. Like, right. if you really think that it's it's some deity in your brain making you feel that way then who are you like right. what are you at the center of that if there's a deity in your brain making you feel like you should be this type of person you're what are you just this naked helpless thing in the middle that doesn't know what to do except for that guidance i mean it's you you're the one doing it you're the one feeling that way because you're good you're a good person right. that's yeah it, exactly. It, it's it, and and recognizing that's huge. I think it's it it, it mm -hmm. definitely makes for ethical atheists and and really good people. Most of the really good people I know do not believe in God. So right. I yeah, I think there's agreed. a disconnect when you do. Yeah. You and you can you know, accept bad shit. And this idea, you know, I think using that sort of ethical atheist is is a mm. good term as well, because obviously we know there's there's that other end that has made atheism into a religion, right? Like oh, the for sure, atheists, yeah. Your Sam Harris's and your right. Richard Dawkins and all these kinds of mm -hmm. people who just reproduced the terrible structures of religion right. under the guise of atheism. So it's not yeah. to say that that's an inherent virtue either, but no. that I think it is easier to... <laughs> Uh, be responsible to your own thoughts and be yeah. responsible to your own morality and For sure. not have to constantly try to reconcile how you feel about things with some entity that is you know has to control that for you or has to threaten you in some right way, you know like oh. oh i wouldn't do the right thing if it weren't for the fact <laughs> that you know hell awaits me <laughs> you know? that's the scariest thing in the world is that right. that is so true of so many people that yes. the thing keeping them from doing horrendous stuff is that they really truly believe in a hell and you can see it in that yeah those people the political beliefs you know that like yeah. people who they're pro-capital punishment and they're yeah. anti-immigration and all these kinds of things it's like they have political beliefs that are the worst instincts of people 100 percent, yeah based on fear of the other and yeah. you know the hateful part of them comes out in that and they somehow manage to attribute that to their god yeah uh, you know and so it's like people they really if they can't even think you should take in a refugee 
Like, right. imagine the terrible things they would do if they uh. didn't have the fear of God in them. <sighs> and then uh, that makes me think, yeah, well, I guess we do need religion, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, maybe some people do need it so they're not yeah. serial killers. <laughs> I just wish it, yeah, I wish it was something more, I don't know. Obviously, capitalism needs propaganda pieces for manipulation, so mm-hmm. you're never going to get an ethical religion under capitalism because... Right. There's nothing ethical under capitalism. But, I I mean, there, there does have to be a way to teach those people who are only going to live based off of fear. There has to be a way to teach them to, at the very least, not act like fucking assholes. Right. And I, and I always hold that this is one of the failures of, of churches and things like that, and society in general, is that empathy is a thing that can be taught, but it has to be taught early. Yeah, you know, it does. you have to you have to train people who aren't naturally hugely empathetic to be empathetic. Yeah, and once someone is thirty, they're not going to become more empathetic. No. <laughs> you know, they might be able to force themselves not to be an asshole, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> because they know in their heads they shouldn't be. But you can't teach someone to understand other people's feelings once they've no. come to that you know point you know we could just so, pump them full of hallucinogens that'll help i feel like it might <laughs> it, do- it does <laughs> it's it a does. strong chance that yeah. maybe we just need to give all the douchebags lsd <laughs> we'll put it in their monster energy drink right? they won't even yeah. notice <laughs> it'll be so good everything will be so much more chill if we just stash some drugs <laughs> in the four locos and boom <laughs> I love it. We figured it out. Yeah. This has been great because I think you really did give a, a perspective that kind of shows, I mean, it is very easy when someone, especially an adult, converts to religion to go like, what were you thinking? But to look at what some of those beliefs were really do work with your worldview. Right. Uh, that that these were good things that mm-hmm. you were introduced to first from a person who was outside of sort of the orthodoxy of Mormonism, someone who would yeah. be dropping LSD with you, you know, <laughs> like that this is, uh, that then you look at these kinds of things, even the way you framed the idea of like being a God, right? Like right. it's always kind of presented as like, Oh Jesus, that's so ridiculous. Right. But looking at that as like, no, this is part of a, you know, a living religion. This is right. something that uh, speaks to your own sort of ownership of the ideas mm-hmm. within it. Um, the idea that new revelation isn't cult behavior, but is a way of saying that this is something that we have an active relationship with. All of that yeah. makes so much sense. And it's always framed as crazy. It um, is. But you can see why that would be a draw um in actually a very like heady and philosophical way and not just yeah. in a like you know douchebag who wants to be god sort of way <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a fun experiment too being completely sober for a decade like <laughs> yeah <laughs> what it proved to me was uh yeah you can have fun sober but why <laughs> like, what's the point i mean <laughs> <laughs> just have a drink too like it's it's right. it's gonna add to the fun <laughs> i think that you know my i think i've said before it's like my dad when i asked him why he 
didn't quit smoking, you know, mm-hmm. like that stuff's going to kill you or whatever. He's like, yeah, but I like it. Huh? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll kill me. Yeah. But I like it, so. It, listen, I know where I'm going. Yeah. I'm enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> right? Just enjoying the ride, which is, of course, not an endorsement to those of you who are sober and things like that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, but, sobriety's cool. You know, sobriety is rad. But, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, there's something to just kind of learning about yourself mm-hmm. that way. Even little things like that that can seem kind of silly. Ten mm-hmm. years of sobriety made me realize, I kind of like not being a sober. <laughs> yes. Cool. <laughs> and it really like yeah, that's I mean that's also like a I don't know it's it's a fun thing to learn about yourself. It didn't require willpower to right. be sober for ten years. It was just like oh I just don't drink yeah, now. Just don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was fun. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for for sharing all that, Steve. I Thanks for having me on. I I, I mean we've talked for almost two hours here. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> That's not including before this. So, right. You know, it's a, been a good long conversation and, and hopefully others will enjoy this little journey as well. Yeah. I, I just feel like I've learned a lot. I understand a lot more. And that's ultimately the Joe Ag journey is a little bit of understanding. I wasn't that wasn't the end of it. I wasn't closing it. I was just oh, okay. You were like, so like, and scene. And done. <laughs> All right. But everyone, make sure that you check out dead and lovely yeah the coolest are and the only our podcast on <laughs> right the interwebs uh and yeah i mean just it's dead and lovely on everything in it yeah dead and lovely um uh yeah we got a, a link tree page pod. with all oh, of yeah, our stuff link tree forward slash dead and lovely um and yeah our patreon etc Head on over there. We got uh, some cool Patreon exclusive episodes and whatnot. If you become a patron on any level, you get access to those. So, cool stuff. Yes. I highly recommend it. I recommend all their socials, Facebook group. If you want to become friends with another great bunch of lads, you could do a lot worse than the Dead and Lovely Posse. So, (laughs) thank you, everyone, for uh, being here with us on Jack of All Graves once again uh, next week back to normal but this has been a lovely diversion and until next time dear friends steve do you have any advice for them um hug the people that you love also uh you know uh, it's never a bad idea to let people know you love them because they uh they're not going to be mad at you and you're gonna feel better about it it's amazing that's really good I love you, Corey. I love you, Steve. Thanks, babe. (laughs) And I think think we should all stay spooky. Bye. (laughs)